welcome to the Better Everyday Coaching Podcast. Today I'm going to jump in and show my ignorance by talking about the state of women coaching. Um, to help enlighten me on this topic, I'm joined by Onya Delhini. Hello, Onya. Hello, Ian. I'm also joined by Fiona Myrna. Hello, Fiona. Hi, Ian. Okay, so why did I want to talk about this? Well, obviously coaching, and by this I mostly mean like organized non-player coaching, not peers coaching peers, because that's always just going to be fluid. This really only started to get going over the last five, ten years in Europe uh, on a very organized level. Starting to accelerate more now, and I guess uh, what I wouldn't want to see is a similar thing that happens with, obviously, our player base, um, where it develops to a point where, see, it was easier to get boys playing ultimate than girls, um, so we ended up a lot more boys playing than girls, uh, and then after a few decades of that, we realized that gender balance was not ideal and um, are now making, obviously, lots of efforts to, to do something about it and try to make it more evenly balanced. Um, naturally, the same thing very could very easily happen with coaching. Um, so I just wanted to kind of talk about some things that are on my mind and, as I said, get Anya and Fiona to give me the input and tell me what's actually what's actually happening um so just some quick stats before we start um the 2022 WUFDF um census uh only has overall membership but 34.6 percent of WUFDF's members were female or WUFDF member federations members uh were women and then in Ireland it was 37 percent in the same year um so uh, obviously, sorry, myself, only and Fiona are all from Ireland, so a lot of our answers may be based on the things that we know and see around us. There are no coaching stats available. Woofdust doesn't track it. EUF don't track it. I might have a little rant about that at some point during this. Um, however, since I'm the Irish Scientist Association coaching director on and off, some years I am, some years I'm not, I do have statistics and insights into the people that take the coaching courses with the IFGA. Um, which is 26% of those people taking the courses are women um, and 74% uh, are male. Um, so slightly worse than um, our overall membership numbers. To kick off, um, I'm just going to ask both of you, uh, start with you, Anya, um, for just like rough percentages for your ultimate career, how much of, how much of your time do you think have you been coached by a male matching player person versus a woman matching person? Yeah, it was really interesting. I was going back over my 10 years playing and trying to remember everyone. I have had a few blanks, I think, but it's looking like potentially 40 to 50% was um, woman matching of my career, um, which is quite cool. Um, it was half of college anyway was a female coach and then in the last few years in gravity um we've had leanne coaching and then i had um a coach uh, robin coaching at the national team last year so i've kind of been lucky in that way i've had a good mixture of different coaches the whole time um and then i suppose you thinking about coaching at tournaments versus coaching at training i think a lot of the time i'm talking about trainings and then I've been to plenty of tournaments without uh, any non-playing coach. So 
I think most of my coaching ex- being coached was at trainings. I've rarely been at trainings that haven't had a coach, but tournaments we would have all c- pitched in and done it ourselves. Absolutely. And obviously, um, we'd like to see more non-playing coaches available to the teams. Um, I guess whatever the gender. Uh, Fiona, moving to you then. Um, you've had a longer career, so maybe tougher to remember, but can you give us a rough estimate of how much you've been coached by uh, a male coach versus a female coach? I think college, it was always the captain was a coach. So the women's captain, Laura McGrath, would have coached me. And then JAMA, it was just you. And then Ireland teams, it was you. <laughs> so uh, it kind of turned into Jen Kwan with Masters uh, last year. Then there was uh, Alan Doyle for two teams along the way with Ireland as well. So mostly men, if there were non-playing coaches. But of course, if you're a player coach, because there wasn't one available, then it would be women on a uh, women's team. So obviously you both played other sports before Ultimate or alongside Ultimate. Um, was your experience similar there, where it was like 30 to 40 percent by the sense of it being coached by uh, a woman and then more than 50 percent time being coached by uh, a male coach? Um, again, Anya, your experiences first and your sports. Let everyone know what you played. Um, yeah, so I played Kamogi for, I think, 18 years. And then a lot of years. Yeah, I only quit in 2021. So I've been playing Kamogi since um, I was like eight years old or something. And then um, I played hockey until college and I've actually joined back hockey this year, but extremely casually. Um, in those sports, yeah, it was all men, like also like a group of men <laughs> coaching me. I rarely had female coaches. I played um, Gaelic football when I was a kid for maybe six years as well. Uh, again, usually someone's dad. But I was lucky in Komogi. I had a uh, same coach from when I was 16 up and he was very good. Um, not a shouty male coach, like more of a feminist, like understood like women's players. His daughter played on the team as well. So I I don't really count him in some senses in that in the way that women versus male coaches are sometimes perceived but he was one of the best coaches I've ever had and then hockey was just always a mix of different people so it, I, don't, I don't really know what the particular demographics were but one of my worst coaches in hockey was worst coaches I've had was a woman so she she made me feel pretty bad when I was about 14 years old so I guess my non-frisbee career has been a bit male dominated but more so like I haven't had any particularly bad experiences in saying that not that men are inherently bad <laughs> <laughs> no offense taken um yeah obviously we're not talking uh coaching here today in any sort of qualitative sense it's really just a case of just interesting to get the the numbers um obviously if we had 50 50 we'd expect to have rough equivalence and quality um Fiona for your non-ultimate sporting career what was this sort of split like Gaelic football the other GA sport I would have had yep just male coaches throughout there was a period where we had this female rugby player who kind of played as well and then would do fitness sessions with us and she was really cool uh but she wasn't she wasn't coaching us in GA (laughs) it was more the fitness aspect um and then there was in table tennis all a lot of men and the it would be 
dominated by parents a lot as well. So in that case, like you'd have some mothers, but they'd be like the chaperones more so than the coaches. There were one or two um, female coaches, but they weren't like in my club, for example, or I'd only get experience with them at some training camps for the odd time um, at a tournament or for, for whatever reason. So there were some female role models in that regard, but definitely you just think men are coaches growing up in all sports for all ages and boys and girls. Okay, interesting. Um, that'll actually bring me to, I guess, the, the meat of what I want to talk about, which are the barriers to entry for coaching for women. Um, and again, just really talking about gender-specific ones here because um, there are lots of barriers to entry, entry for coaching for everybody, which uh, I will probably write a lot more about um, on my blog. But uh, in terms of barriers to entry for coaching for women, um, I guess I'll start with the one you just mentioned there, Fiona. Do you think then, like you've, you've kind of said it already, I guess, but because you basically always had men coaching you in sports, um, do you think that part of the barrier to entry for women coaching, they just don't have the role models of other female coaches um, when they're growing up playing sports? I'm not sure. I think that you can fall into the idea of assumption. So you're living one way and you just don't think that it should be another way. And so you don't question it. And so you just fall into the same roles that you saw adults before you do so if you can't see it you can't be it is a good expression because if you do see it then you can consider it more easily whereas when you don't it's just not an idea that maybe comes to you straight away like I don't know if I would have coached in any of sports ultimate is a very niche kind of sport it has its opportunities very different to other sports because the framework it's so young still basically and growing that we don't have adults well we're adults now but we didn't have adults looking after us when we were playing so um it's it's more accessible actually in a way um uh, but then um yeah sorry that's just kind of I, I think it's a bit hard to get into it if you don't have a clear stepping stone based on what you've seen before you if it's especially even if it's just always a parent as well because I would have just assumed well parents coach the teams that's mostly what I saw or you're kind of in it professionally so you're making some money through it yeah I'd agree I think in my head a coach was just like a a man in his 40s or 50s (laughs) who came after work like to to help his daughter's team run around in my club my camogie club a couple of years before I left they started getting all the senior players to go to all the underage trainings so they'd have um try have a few senior players at all the underage trainings every week so that they could see someone there that they can aim for even if it's for a player like you said can't see can't be as a player or as a coach or a mentor they kind of call them mentors as well rather than coaches which I think takes away a bit of the scariness of the term but I do I do agree that it's mostly just because you you don't know it exists before your 40s and then when you come into frisbee you're being coached by people that are the same age as you or younger than you or who have no experience particularly and in some ways maybe that's more helpful (laughs) you don't see this big gap you're like oh they're just similar to me and then 
I think some of the barriers more so come from your own expect your own perceptions of your own knowledge. So I think for a lot of players, men and women, maybe they feel like they don't know and they don't have the authority to say, do this thing or do that thing. They feel like they need to be to know everything before they can start. And then I, that's probably more common in women. Like they're less likely to step up to something that they'd maybe don't feel qualified in. Whereas I think sometimes men are happier to just give it a go and it'll work out. And even if they're not 100% qualified or 110% qualified for the role, uh, they kind of step into those things. Yeah. I think even with recruiting female players, so many more, if I don't know if I've ever heard a male player say, oh, I'd be crap at that. So I can't join or I have to be fit before I start going training. I've heard that from a few girls. It's like, no, you're not, you don't have to be competent already come training and learn there. So I think that's a really good point to make that females are more afraid of maybe looking bad and looking like they don't know what they're talking about. Guys generally can just think they know a lot more than they do and they just wing it. Yeah, every time I'm asked how I started coaching, I always say it was just pure arrogance. It was just, I feel like I know what's best and I'm pretty happy to tell people that what I know is the best thing for them. Um, even though I was like 20 and didn't know anything. And looking back, I can see how little I did know. But at the time, I just felt, yeah, I could definitely tell all these people what to do because why wouldn't I? Okay, so looking at some of the other barriers that I think I see. So one of the most obvious ones is probably due to the demographics. Like I mentioned earlier, like globally, it's 35% of the membership of, of nations is, a, is female. Ireland is 37, so it's basically the same. That reflects all trash teams, like teams have lower numbers uh, on the female side and the male side. And I think one of the impacts that has then is any individual women's player is probably going to be a lot more valuable to their team than an equivalent male player. Like I think of myself, like I stopped playing competitively really when I was 27 or 28. And I just like stepped away from yeah, playing club competitively and focused on coaching. And I just wasn't missed at all. Um, I wasn't a, a fantastic player, but I do think that if I was uh, in a women's team, I probably would have been comparatively more valuable because there was less people there to take my spot in in an in open team. Just, there was just like loads of young 20-year-old boys like ready to step in and take my spot, which is obviously less true on women's teams. And I was saying just to Fiona the other day, it was like, how, like, how old would Fiona have to be before she is more valuable to a team as a non-playing coach than she is as a player who maybe also does some coaching. You know, definitely not the age is now, which is like seven years older than I was when I stopped coaching. Um, so, Anya, do you think that's like part of the problem that like even if you're a woman, you can maybe want to step away and start coaching due to numbers, you might just need to kind of continue playing alongside it. I don't know of many players who want to step away and just coach. I think you were probably a bit of an anomaly there. Frenchy, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think people want to do it yet. But then, I, I agree that people, are, we have the necessity of coaches 
and people need to do it maybe before they're ready to stop playing. And then it just becomes a bit of an awkward transition for them. Maybe a bad experience of player coaching and then they don't want to coach when they're non-playing. Bit of burnout. I think there's a few issues, but I think most of the time it's that people are probably pushed into coaching earlier than they should be or want to be. And then that potentially taints their experience and then they don't come back and, and coach when, when the, potentially it's a better time for them to do it. I think that you hit the nail head though. I think it's hard to step away and just coach and not play, especially if you do feel like you can contribute more as a player, but you also just don't feel like you're done yet physically. There's no need for you to step away. Most people are playing to play like they or they got involved in the sport to play and the coaching happens later and as a kind of byproduct of other things um i think it's much easier and you'll see this in colleges to see female coaches take the role of head coach in a college team where they can't play and you're able to like commit to that fully as well so you get the best out of yourself as a coach without having to worry about playing some of the frustration i think can come when you're trying to play and coach at the same time because you can't do either at 100%. But again, you just you want to play and you're valuable for the team, but if you were to coach only, um you might be a better coach, but would the team be worse? Um and you feel like you can always coach, but then you can't always play. But as you said, you don't know when the end point will be that your body gives up or it just feels like it can't keep up or doesn't want to. It takes a long time. Like you're talking like 20 years if you're saying 40 years of age and Emily Vericker is 48 and she's still going. So like, where is the stopping point really? Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Um, Audio, we'll come back to, I think, the difficulty of coaching peers um, a little bit later when we talk maybe about some solutions um, to try and ease the passage. Uh, but, Let's go back to my barriers to entry first. Second, I've always been very reluctant to kind of say like open and women's and mixed teams are different in inherent ways. Like people always ask me because I've had experience coaching um, all the different teams. Um, like, oh, what's the difference between coaching women? What's the difference between coaching men? And I was like, pretty much every environment is just different and the people are different and the people within an environment are all different from each other and it's really hard to say like all women are like this or all men are like this and and it's different um but i think one of the things that i do notice with teams um both the teams i've been part of and then also when i look at teams um, like how are organized more generally is um women's teams generally either prefer or more accepting of, I guess, what I would call like a flatter hierarchy. Um, so like one of the ways this manifests in is like a lot of women's teams won't run like O&D lines that run like equal rotation lines, whereas a lot of open teams will run O&D lines and will have O-line and then D-line one and D-line two. And it'll be very much, this is the hierarchy and you're kind of working your way up and down it. Um, yeah. And I guess open teams generally, I guess I found it easier to coach when I go into um, purely in the sense that they're just much more willing to accept like my title as the coach. Therefore, they have to listen to me. Um, where like, the women's teams has been a bit more of a, a collaborative process. And I'm not saying either is better. I've enjoyed my time coaching open and women's more. And I've definitely enjoyed my time coaching women's more. So I'm definitely not being 
in any way derogatory or tend to be derogatory to to women's teams there. But um, Fiona, I guess you've had experience working with both women's and, and open teams uh, a lot. And I'm ignoring Mix for now because Mix is just awkwardly in the middle. <laughs> so it uh, doesn't quite fit in uh, for now. But um, do you have you experienced the same thing? And do you think, um, again, kind of going back to Oni's point about like if you are a player on a women's team and you want to then step out and coach that team, does then having the flatter hierarchy make it a little more difficult to, to get started? So I'm just going to give my thoughts in general. I think the, there's a big difference between an elite open team at the minute and an elite women's team. An elite women's team is still taking beginners, still taking very kind of raw talent um, with the expectation that it's supposed to be just totally inclusive. And I think that's a big part of the problem with trying to create that hierarchy on a women's team versus a men's team where you're cutting people from the start, where you have that kind of selection process like Ranla would. I think XVI really struggled when they were trying to be completely inclusive and then they actually just got a little bit more exclusive and they won all Ireland's last year. So the club culture really matters. And if you want to have a more competitive team, you have to be more exclusive. And I think that should be a healthy thing to look for. But women's teams can't really afford to do it because of the low numbers. Um, so I think on Irish women's teams, we had that hierarchy of O-line, D-line and I think people accepted it fine, for example. I, um, well, I mean, I've, people have their issues, I'm sure. We had some conversations, but at the same time, people didn't play worse because of it or um, really kick up a major four fuss. And we all felt like one team, certainly from my perspective. And so I do think then from a leadership point of view, the difference I've seen is the, like women's teams tend to want to hear everyone's voices about everything about all votes all matters of the club and open teams will generally just the couple of leaders on it will make those decisions and that is a struggle as well for me if i wanted to coach a women's team it's easier to kind of just be able to just make decisions for the open or indeed mixed team that i'm working with now than if you kind of have to have a vote and everything with a larger group of women yeah i definitely agree i think the the reason why there's such a stark difference especially in frisbee is the the way that you get recruit people so we're pretty happy to take whoever in women's division and it's always from the start that that you you're really trying to figure out what that person wants and what they need and you're tailoring everything for them to get them to stay because in college like the difference of one recruit is actually a lot because you may only get five so you need that person so from the very start like women's players are kind of treated very specially uh so then i think there is not a not a like obvious expectation for that but then you can't just suddenly not have that later because you want to retain them you want them to go from college into club you want them to stay in your club you want like you you kind of need to take in everyone's opinions all the time so that people stay playing because women just drop off sport relatively so much easier than men um or maybe similarly to men but there's just more men playing so you don't need to worry about that attrition rate Whereas the guys that start, like in college, 
do most teams really like individually go up to beginners and try get them to stay? I don't think so. So I think that it starts from the very beginning. Like when I played Kamogi, it wasn't like that. Like people were the the players were coming. You didn't have to recruit them. They were just arriving, and then the hierarchy was pretty apparent. Like the captains were obvious. They made decisions with the coaches, and you were just a player, and you got subbed, and you got dropped to a different team or brought up, and you got told the week before or the day of that it was happening. So I think it's more of like a frisbee or like small sports specific thing that you're nearly begging people to stay and then suddenly you're cutting them and then shocked when they're upset about it. So, um, yeah, I think that's maybe why there's that difference between open and women's at the moment in Ireland. And do you think that, uh, let's go back to the three there, do you think that it makes it harder then for women to like be comfortable stepping in? Like I was saying, it's quite easy to coach an open team because I think once you're given the title of coach, people will just listen to you and do whatever you want. And I think some of the feedback I get uh, when people, like when women are asking me questions about starting off coaching at club teams or having issues sort of reaching out to me, um, what they're quite often saying is like, they don't really feel like they're being listened to or don't feel like they're being respected or they're trying to do something and people don't want to do it. Um, and to be clear, like that, like, that does happen when I'm coaching. When I'm coaching open, it happened all the way up to you know, winning an open European championship. Like people continually questioning things and wanting their opinions. But um, yeah, I can see why, as a player stepping out, it can be difficult in those smaller teams to to be able to like feel like you're as imp- as empowered as a coach as maybe you want to be. Um, okay, my last barrier. I had, and then I'll let you both kind of jump in with um, whatever you had. Um, so for for this one, I think for a lot of coaches, as I said, like you kind of want to get involved in coaching club and when you're winding down your own playing career, for most people, that's obviously going to come after your physical peak, which would be like late 20s, early 30s, which is also obviously time a lot of people are starting families. Um, so I did look this up, the... In again 2022, the uh, average age of first time pregnancy in Ireland was 33, um, which again I think would assume the point at which a lot of people would be kind of stepping back from playing competitive sport and maybe willing to get involved in teams. Um, so uh, only like does this have any impact in, in your experience? I don't know if RSC has been big enough for this to happen, but I know obviously. Between the ages of thirty and my age now, thirty-six, um, obviously, like tons of my peers are are away starting families, which obviously makes it very tough then to to get involved in coaching. Yeah, like I think even since I was in college, uh, college captain, trying to find coaches, and I like I did know some of the older women, and yeah, like they just they were they kind of moved on. I suppose a little bit from from frisbee after a college or maybe club and and yeah they were starting families so they weren't really interested in particularly coming back and and coaching the college team and and again like I think that other part of saying that people don't feel confident in it or that they're they maybe don't think that they're qualified yet so then it kind of comes there's like multiple different factors but definitely like people 
were dropping off before, I think we're getting a bit better at keeping people. Um, Masterclass are doing a wonderful job of keeping people playing and keeping them in the game a bit more, which is really nice. I That's always what I wanted for the women's division is just keep people playing a little bit and then see if people are interested again, like that they actually want to coach later um, to come back and do it when they're ready after maybe having a couple of kids or whatever. And we haven't actually reached the age, the point at which they're at the age that my coaches were when I was young. Like they still, we don't have that many people over 40 that played. So <laughs> we're nearly there <laughs> in the next five years. Maybe they'll, they'll all have had their kids in, in school and now they'll all come back and coach. <laughs> <laughs> that might happen I think if I think of the people that used to play and have babies now as well they're just so far removed they stopped before they had children or once they have the children like everything revolves around them for quite a bit um, and they're trying to just get their bodies back to normal as well which is a challenge in itself but um, they also a lot of our generation as I was saying we weren't really coached much by non-playing coaches and so maybe the idea of doing that when they were 30 just wasn't in their heads like they had a plan for their future and it didn't involve coaching in ultimate because it just didn't occur to them and so their lives just took a different path so hopefully just having more non-playing coaches like it's so normal in colleges now where it definitely wasn't uh, when I was in college and then Anya it was starting to get better but it was still as you said tough to get coaches in um, now it seems to be easier, much easier for Dublin coaches or Dublin colleges anyway. So uh, as it becomes more normalized, I hope then that more players move towards that, more female players in particular, just move towards that line as well of, of actually becoming a coach later on. Okay, um, so those are my barriers. Thanks for not just laugh, laughing in my face and telling me how wrong I am. Um, it's great to hear your thoughts. Um, Anya, do you have anything else that you think is a particular barrier um for women getting involved in coaching yeah like i kind of alluded to it there in the last um example but i just think burnout is the number one really like it kind of comes from all the other things but people just get burnt out and step away totally from the game like i coached and captained last year and a bit the year before and i'm I'm wrecked this year and I knew it was going to happen. I kind of planned it, but <laughs> uh, like I'm intending on still playing, but it's really hard to feel any motivation or interest in doing anything extra. If you end up being burnt out after a few years of trying to do loads of things. And again, like I said, trying to keep people enjoying it and playing is the most important thing and maybe they'll come back and be a non-playing coach later in life when they want to stop playing but I think the main issue is that most women players in Ireland are just leaving prematurely because they're burnt out from having to organize loads of stuff and then there's that negative connotation of it and they don't want to come back because they're scared they're going to be asked to do more things. So I would say this that we touched on it earlier so it's not too new but feeling competent at it is would help a lot more. I think women love like really understanding something. And I just don't think ultimate and all the drills and the analysis comes as easily to the female player base 
particularly that I've seen or that we have. So if they were getting more of the theory, they would feel more confident to give the theory as well. So if they understood why things were being done and not just through one coaching course, but through educational workshops, because, and I know this could be considered a broad like coaching barrier, but I really do think it's actually more for females because I think, as you said, Ian, men can be just, they just think they know a lot um, straight away. And also there is a slight gender difference in the ability to analyze, I think, in general, sometimes there's just, I just see the kind of analytical, mathematical, engineering type brains can be a little bit stronger on the male side in general than the female side sometimes, and actually problem solving. Just again, we attract very... We attract real nerds on the open side. In, yeah, in I don't know what it is. There's so many so engineers science, and mathematicians yeah, on, in the open teams. Like, so many yeah. male players are that. And also, also females, like not all of them, but a lot of them, If they, even if they come from another sport, it's not always a field sport. Whereas a lot of guys are coming from field sports. So like basketball or soccer or GAA, whereas girls might be coming from like uh, more like track or they they maybe came from GAA, but they're kind of like, you know, fairly casual or wasn't too competitive. Uh, come from like, uh, sorry, swimming or just badminton or just some random things like that, gymnastics, rather than uh, these kind of field sports. So that then ultimate is just kind of crazy uh, from the start. And it's hard to just learn as much as it has to teach in by just playing sometimes and they're not really sure why they're doing what they're doing like I have players from playing for eight to ten years who still say I don't know what I'm doing on the pitch and I that's girls mostly I just I don't know what I'm doing well, or, men say that they don't know no probably I, not because they, I think they don't know <laughs> yeah they never say it <laughs> yeah well sometimes uh, some of them know in fairness there are shy guys uh, <laughs> you know it and um, but everyone's got their own personality as well but I think there's almost a willful ignorance that I've seen in some of those girls who they're just so shy and just so like there's just something about it that they just don't want to nearly overthink it or admit that they know things are being the limelight there's also there's all sorts of things with uh, females uh, players I think that I see that are is related to confidence rather than their like they're afraid to coach or whatever it's actually related to their playing as well yeah I, I agree I definitely think that like confidence is the main issue I also think the games are very different like open and women's divisions the actual weight style of play like for the guys it's like very much who's more athletic who can throw further like run 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 like they're just running all the time and then I think maybe because the women's division people join sports later or maybe it's their first sport it ends up being more technical because you don't have a lot of athletes who've come from other sports so then the game the women's division ends up being way more technical and tactical because it has to be to actually win a game you need to like make a lot more rules whereas sometimes when I've played with guys it's just like run around mm. and just keep running until you tire out your defender <laughs> Yeah, you definitely want, or I've gotten that, those more demands from girls, from female players of like, what do I have to do here? Rather than like having to rein in like girls because they're running too much. 
like it's I don't think I've ever had to rein anyone in yeah 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 definitely not um I've I've just always delighted when I come across a female beginner that is just running fast deep straight away I'm just like okay that's going to be easy (laughs) so yeah okay um Fiona do you have any other barriers I I think there's a lack of teams to coach for women in some ways as well like they don't necessarily want to so if they wanted to coach a team that they weren't playing on it would be probably an open team so that would make sense or maybe a mixed team but we don't have enough teams like we just don't have enough clubs we don't have like a hierarchy of uh, elite level a junior level a just kind of senior regular uh, mid-level teams you don't have a league where it's like a and b so you could coach the b team you play in the a league there's just we need way more players we need way more teams and then the coaches actually have something to coach as well and can diversify and have more options because it shouldn't just be that you have to coach the team that you're playing on or you're coaching some like scary men's team who want to win all irelands all time or qualify for euros i don't know if i fully agree with that because the teams are there i was looking for coaches and not able to find them the coaches that aren't there um we did a larger problem to solve and definitely one of the things that well, like one of the reasons I started doing all this was to kind of give more of a, an insight into coaching. I get very fed up of, I guess, like the external portrayal of coaching. Like I think the classic one is like Denzel Washington and Remember the Titans is like that sort of like authoritarian figure that knows everything and like can rule a, a group with an iron fist and make all the decisions and stuff. And I think that's kind of like the archetypal coach in people's consciousness and or he said, like, when you're a kid and, like, that's what the the person running the session is. Like, they tell you everything. And I think co- coaching doesn't have to be like that. And hopefully people will be more emboldened to take it on if they realise that, like, you don't have to be a dictator. You don't have to know everything. Um, that there are ways to be effective as a coach without being, like, a super brain um, or anything like that. Because coaching is more of a technical skill than it is a intellectual exercise. Yeah, actually, I do agree. Like, I think what I struggle with personally is I think I like different parts of coaching than other people. So I don't really enjoy like trying to make, well, I kind of a little bit, I've gotten better at it, but making tactical changes or like coming up with tactics or kind of making a full team, like a full season plan or like planning ahead. I really like individual one-on-one coaching or like, certain types of um performance kind of goals and goal setting and that kind of thing so I suppose there's so many different components of coaching so when you're signing up to be a coach you're signing up to to be good at all of these things and that makes it really intimidating you have to be good at planning drills I'm I'm so bad at planning drills but I'm good at giving feedback on a drill so like I think all these different components it's maybe not a lack of coaches but maybe a lack of coaching teams like multiple people going to coach together and collaborating that way rather than we just need one coach and they'll do everything um so i suppose that's maybe the barrier is that there's not enough teams of coaches or i was going to say another thing so you can uh, go address anya's point first if you want but i'll just say that teachers kind of readily if they're female teachers in a school 
I do know that they try and teach and coach their players, their students in it because the environment is there. And I think because they have a group of people that they can readily access and they really love the sport and they want them to play it. Whereas we don't, we don't have a lot of like local opportunities, easily accessible teams that are in your community and that you could just help out with and give coaching, could just give training sessions to. It has to be like a full big commitment, like on your saying, and you have to do like a whole season plan. And it's just, that's a lot. There's a lot to expect a person to commit to a whole year, whole season, um, uh, and also to do everything about the coaching rather than just kind of dip in and out or give uh, an error or two here or there. Um, also, yeah, most clubs are playing twice a week, two two hours a week. It's too much for a lot of people. Um, a lot of women aren't going to have the time for that. So it's another barrier. Yeah, let's go back to Ony's point. Um, clubs, you're really bad at advertising for coaches. You <laughs> clearly no idea what people that are just coaching want. Stop asking coaches to tell you what they want. Like, actually have a definitive plan in mind. Maybe I'm a, I know I'm not everyone's uh, idea of a uh, coach, but uh, yeah, it's really difficult when like the team doesn't have a plan because then you have no idea of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and that's the most intimidating thing. Okay, we've talked a lot about this. Um, so I think we'll leave it there. If you're interested, we can always come back and talk about it again. Thanks so much, Anya and Fiona, for coming on. Um, sharing your experiences um be really interested to hear um experiences outside ireland because obviously we've talked a lot about what it's like in ireland but um i'm sure other countries are different so um you can always get involved in our discord which um is linked now in the posts on my substack um, better everyday coaching.substack.com uh, or you can message me on instagram